Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to the Sunday Podcast presented by SportsShoes.com. I'm Ollie Lum. And I'm Matt Seddon. We are back for season three and it's going to be a good one. With the aim of raising the profile of British distance running... We're bringing you more content than ever. Every week, we'll give you insights into the lives and training of some of the UK's top athletes and coaches. As well as all the latest updates from the races up and down the country and around the world. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcast streaming platforms. Keep a lookout for our new YouTube channel too, where we're posting workout videos, shoe reviews and much more. Stay up to date by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Sunday Podcast. And if you want to drop us a line... Send us an email to info at sundayplodcast.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. For this week's episode, we spoke to Dutch Olympian and 13-11 5,000-metre man, Mike Foppen. Mike trains with the Lions Track Club in Paris, and we spoke to him about his career so far, his goals for the future, and much more. Enjoy. Okay, first of all, Mike, um, great to have you on the podcast. And we were just talking kind of off air. You just come back from a training camp in South Africa. How was it? Uh, it was very good, actually. I, uh, I've i been there a lot of times. So I used to go to Dulstrom, which is a bit high altitude. But the last few years, I've, I've been going to Bochevstrom. Um, I was actually there with Sexhead in, in January, not with him, but I saw him there. We had some coffee. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I like the place. They have good facilities. It's a bit lower, so it's like 1,400 meters altitude. So you wouldn't call it like a hell high altitude camp. But I really like it before like a indoor or a track season because you can do your quality work but still get some quality, uh, get some altitude in. Um, and in March, I was in Flagstaff. So I like to do the combination of high altitude first and then going a bit lower for more specific work. No, but it was, it was very good for me. Will you go, will you go straight from Flag to... South Africa, or did you come come home for a little bit? Uh, I I did the trip to the US from South Africa in January, but it's it's a really hellish trip. It was I I think it was I had to fly from Joburg, Johannesburg for sixteen hours to New York, and then a layover, and then another two hours to Boston. So I was considering it, but I decided to go back to Europe first because actually most layovers and most flights go to Europe first and then to South Africa. Mm. Uh, so I was well, I might as well just fly to Amsterdam, go back home for like two weeks and then stay in the Netherlands and then go to South Africa. So that's what I did yeah, this man. time. So I basically went home to get rid of the jet lag and then flew to South Africa. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, mate, how did you, we, we'll start from the beginning because not many who kind of listen to our podcast will know your story. They obviously know your achievements now. Um, but, you know, kind of growing up in, in the Netherlands, you'll be an interesting story. What's athletics look like? What does the culture look like in running? Is it a big sport? You know, um, just talk us through how you got into it. Um, well, I think for me, I, I, I was born and raised in a family that's really into elite sports. My sister used to do gymnastics at a high level. And obviously in gymnastics, you're like at a, already at a really young age. You have to train a lot of hours. So I basically grew up 
um, with my sister being gone gone most days, training like twenty eight to thirty hours a week. Wow. Uh, she would she would already be gone when I woke up in the morning, and then she would train three hours in the morning, go to school the whole day, and in the afternoon again, and I would see her like eight o'clock in the evening. Um, so that's a bit the the culture that it was at my home. Everything was into sports, uh, and both of my parents have not. They've, they've not done elite level sports, but always have been very active, like in the sports area. Uh, and I always grew up thinking that I also wanted to be an elite, elite athlete. So I was always a bit jealous of my sister that she got to do that at such a young age. But that's just because it's a different sport. And um, yeah, that's that's has always been my mind, mindset. But I, I started playing soccer, football um, in when I was a bit younger. And then uh, I kind of rolled into the athletics world. So basically, I was not good with the ball, but just without it, I was just I was just running back and forth. I think the the coaches like to put me midfield so I could attack and defend, but not not really touch the ball actually. Um, and then uh, started doing athletics like all events for maybe a year, but it was was pretty clear that I was just good at, uh, at running. So then I uh, I've been doing it a long time. I'm 26 now, and I started when I was maybe seven. So I I, I would wow. say I'm I'm almost twenty years into running. So it's like sometimes you hear stories of people who start when they were fifteen or mm-hmm. fourteen. Maybe that's a more normal age, but I started really really young. Mm. And starting at that age, was there? Do you have any memories of like when was the first time that you kind of maybe did a race or a training session or had an experience where you thought like I I want to do this sport specifically as a pro? Uh, I think I knew it pretty early on. Maybe not pro, but. At least until I, will, I finished like school and everything, and I was pretty sure to just do the running because we had these local races, and with these local races, you qualify, could qualify for nationals uh, for like schools. So um, I think I was like eight or nine, and I won the local races around here, around my hometown, and then I was qualified for the final, and I think I won the final when I was like eight or nine. So I won like year eight or a uh, year three in school so that's like eight year eight year old kids and then uh i don't know i i thought i was very talented but everybody i feel like everybody who started at that that age goes through like a bit of a a bit of a rough rough path and uh i remember when i was like 10 11 12 I, i stayed very small pretty long so all the kids around me were growing up a bit faster and i i was finishing like 30 or 40 at nationals and i was like hmm Maybe this is not the sport for me. But my old coach was always saying, "Okay, just we we're just taking it easy until you make your make your growth, and then uh, we'll grow we'll grow into it." So I think in my mind, I maybe took it a bit too serious already at a very young age. So where other kids who were like thirteen or fourteen year old would go out with friends and like uh, not really care about the sport, I was actually already pretty serious in my mind. Maybe in, mm. in the level it was not important, but for my for me in my mind it was it was already pretty important and this is interesting what did what did training look like at that age because you're talking you know very young 10 11 12 um and you know your early very early teens uh, right through your teens what, what would training look like in your mind you were taking it seriously uh was training quite quite heavy was it quite structured was it specific no I, I it was structured but i would not say it was like special or anything like we all know the stories from like jacob uh, at a young age, already going at altitude and everything and training with his big brothers. For me, it was, I think, from the moment I started, it was maybe two times a week and just with a with a local group doing like some 
fun fart leg stuff, those kind of things. And then maybe when I got to like 12, 13, 14, I started doing three times a week. So we would just meet up on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. Fridays, and Sundays. Um, and then from there on, we started adding like a little easy run on, on Thursdays or whatever. But also that I, I remember I had a friend and uh, we would have to do 30 minutes easy run. And I remember we would just go for like an hour walk in the forest and not run at all. And until like 45 minutes in or 50 minutes in and we're done talking and then we jog for like 25 minutes and then the training was over. Um, so it was more of a social and fun aspect for me. But in my mind, like I took it very serious. I remember doing these regional races and thinking it was world champs. So training wise, I didn't do much, but like I was preparing myself mentally a little bit for uh, what was to come. I feel like yeah it's interesting and and what influence did your coach have on that because i believe i read somewhere that you spent from the age of eight uh like kind of the same coach all the way through to quite recently is that right yeah yeah i was with the same coach for 17 years i think so um well he he was always from the like the progressive approach so he really i think he he's told he's told me like 250 times that we're gonna take it slow because of course there's moments where you see other guys around you doing way more training and I think at the, at the age of 16 or 17 this this question comes up like how many how much mileage are you running how many k's a week and that always stressed me out a little bit because I knew the other guys were running a bit more than me but we took it so slow until I at least had my body uh, right to actually handle everything so I I grew up having very very little injuries because my body could just easily handle it I've I've actually been a bit fortunate with injuries as well. So in my career, I've not really had, uh, I've had big injuries. In 2017, I had one stress reaction in my foot, but that's that's about it. Um, so that's that's a bit the way I grew up with him, uh, taking things easy and progressing year by year, uh, not too big steps forward. Uh, and I think that also reflects a bit on my progression because. I think since I started running until 2021, I progressed every year. I ran a PB in every distance every year, but it was not major improvements, but just like small steps getting closer to, to like Olympic level. Wow, man. And why did you, uh, just quickly, why did you part ways with uh, that coach? I don't know. It was, it was hard. Um, I felt like I needed a new challenge, not necessarily that I wasn't performing because actually in the year that I made Olympics with him, I changed. So you would say like, you made like the highest thing in your career. Why would you change? But I felt like um, if I, if I was going to stay with him, I would have run 13, 13 my whole life. So, or 13, 10, I felt like we maxed out this uh, slow increase, slow progression. So I felt like I had to do something drastically. And then maybe the result of that, would be that I would run 13.45 again or 13.30. I'm not talking about 5K, but mm. in every distance. Uh, I just wanted to take a risk and see see what, what that would do to my body and what the, what that would do to me mentally and how that would change things. Um, so it, it was pretty hard because, like I said, we started from running 25 minutes on a 5K to running 30 minutes on a 5K from a regional talent to, like, making Olympics. Um so that was kind of hard, but uh, I'm I'm happy I made the decision. Not not just for running, but also just for myself, for my own like personal development. It was good to get out of my comfort zone because like, I had it very easy here. I just I was living in my home, the, the town I grew up. I just 
went away for camps, but I didn't really know what it knew what it was to be with a coach that I like I didn't really properly know yet. Mm. What's the setup like in the Netherlands? I mean, I've heard various things about kind of the governing body to represent, you know, Holland at major championships. You need to all have the same coach. Is that is that correct? Like how does the governing body kind of work? How does the athletic system work over there? Um I would say it's changed a bit over the years. Uh, we have we have a new head coach now. Uh, his name is Tom, Thomas Lewandowski. It's the brother from uh, Marcel yeah. Lewandowski, well-known name in athletics. Um, and he's really trying to connect all coaches in the Netherlands to have like these. For example, Flex that was the first big example of connecting all different uh, elite athletes and taking them to the same camp where he was like the head coach. But actually, everybody was welcome to join. Uh, so I think that's a big step forward for like coaches and athletes to like cooperate together. Um, and before that, I I don't know. I was never really involved in the with with the Dutch government. I was always a bit myself. Uh, right. I I trained with a lot of foreign athletes, so I've been on training camps with the Swedish Federation, with a uh, German Federation. So I, I always picked a bit my own road, uh, and that didn't make it always that that easy because then if you wanted to get selected for certain championships it was maybe a bit harder because you were not really in the picture um so that made it a bit harder but right now i would say that it's yeah it's pretty well arranged that you get the i at least get the freedom to to choose my own coach um and still get like uh yeah like i could i can ask for facilities if i need any mm. Yeah, and let's talk about that current training setup then. Let's just tell our listeners and, and explain to us like who you're training with, who your coach is, and where you're based most of the time. Yeah. Um, so end of 2021, basically after Olympics, I decided to make a, a big change. Uh, at that time, I didn't really know yet what I wanted. Thinking about the US, Australia, uh, yeah, thinking about some different groups of coaches, but of course, you need to know the people and know the coach first. Um and I didn't want to change like this, you know. I wanted to try out maybe some camps with other groups and find out that way. And then I went to Font Romeu uh, in France, uh, I think October 2021. And there I basically met the group that I'm with now. And I think their main, or clearly their main athlete is Jimmy Greshe. Um, and I started talking with him and he was already there for already a bit joking. Like, oh, I started this team, we have funding, you should come and join. But I always thought he was joking. Because I was like, yeah, why do you ask a Dutch guy to come in to train with a French mm-hmm. team where no no one speaks English? And then um, he was also there at that camp and actually tried out the schedule a little bit. So uh, the coach I'm training with now is uh, is called Adrian Taouji. Uh, he's a French coach. And uh, I remember I did the easy run with them and there was another guy in the group and he had to translate everything I was asking because I didn't speak French and Adrian uh, didn't speak English. Um, so I want, I wanted to ask all these complicated questions, like what do you do with lactate measurement and like, how do you, what's your training method and what would you do in this situation? And it was just the back and forth of this guy translating all these complicated terms. Um, but I really wanted to know before I made a decision, like what he was like. Um, and the weird thing was that I felt like I had a really good connection with this guy, with Adrian. Uh, without actually talking to him because I was talking with the other guy and he was just translating it. But it's for me, that was a very good first signal that you can feel a good connection with someone without actually speaking the same language. Hmm. That's Jeez. just the, I think that's just the, like the openness he has 
Um, and uh, also it was nice to get answers to my questions because I've had some problems with my old coach before that I wanted to try out new things or uh, that I asked him complicated questions and that he didn't really know the answer. Um, and yeah, that made it hard to, to progress. So it was good to, to ask what I wanted to ask and get my answers. And then um, at this camp, actually, I tried out a little bit of the schedule uh, from Adrian and I liked it. So then it's that hard moment, like, am I going to say now, okay, it's, we're changing for sure, or um, are we going to try out something else? Because it was actually also the same situation for my girlfriend. So my girlfriend uh, is also an elite uh, elite representing Sweden. Um, and she had to make kind of the same decision, but she didn't meet Adrian yet. So it was a, it was a bit of a strange situation where I was like, yeah, yeah, we should do this. And she was like, well, I didn't meet the guy, so maybe we should wait. But she can also not hang in between coaches because then I think you just lose the way a little mm-hmm. bit. Um so then I decided to just try out this program and from there uh, rolled into it a bit more. And now I'm like officially part of, it's called Lions Track Club. Um, they're based in Paris and in INSEP. It's like the Olympic Training Center in, in, uh, of France. And uh, Adrian is living there. The whole, the whole group is basically living there. Um, and the plan at first was also to move to Paris, live there full time. But financially and I don't know, I, I prefer having this freedom around me a little bit that I have my own home here, uh, my own house with my girlfriend. And then we just travel in for camps or we go to Paris for a few weeks, something like that. And that seems to work out well. And I like it like that. Has this club got good funding in a sense, obviously Paris is just a year away. Um, is that, is that a focus? And are you, how many internationals are on the club? Like, I guess, you know, non-French nationals. Uh, it's just me and my girlfriend actually are non-French. Um, but there is Mehdi Belharch. He's a eight eleven steeplechaser. Mm-hmm. Um, he he finished for some, uh, I think eleventh uh, in Eugene last year in World Champs in the final. Uh, obviously Jimmy, and then there's some uh, younger talents who are running like three thirty nine, three forty for uh, fifteen hundred, a one one zero one half marathon runner, mm. um, and then obviously the girls. There's like including my girlfriend. Uh, three sub ten steeplechasers, one girl running two zero two and four four zero five on fifteen hundred. So it's 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 quite a talented group, and actually potentially we could have like five or six athletes next year at the Olympics, mm-hmm. or at least in the next couple of years at like World Champs and Olympics. So that's that's really a difference for me to train with athletes who are basically uh, full time, because mm-hmm. before I was the only full time athlete in my group. And now I have like multiple people around me who basically have the same goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and funding wise, the team is is a bit set up around Jimmy. Um, so Jimmy is the big prospect in France, obviously. And uh, yeah, with with the Olympics being in Paris next year, that's just a, I think a good build up towards that. Mm. And just quickly, you know, what kind of questions you mentioned, you know, talking to this coach in uh, broken English and translation um, about training philosophies. But for those people who are kind of maybe switching coaches, thinking about switching coaches, what were the questions you wanted answering? Um, well, for me, I, I always really trained on feeling. So I never really monitored, monitored, monitored a lot. Um I, I used to wear like a heart rate monitor and everything, but I didn't do anything with the data. So I just I just wore it for nothing basically. Or maybe on a on a, on a day that I saw it's very weird. I had some kind of 
idea about that something was going on, but I didn't really analyze anything, never measured lactate. Um, and the program was always very similar to the year before, which was fine because it worked. Um, but I was really in that mood of trying out different things. So I just asked him mostly like, how do you like monitor your uh, training? Um, and I was giving him all these cases, cases to, um, I don't know. I was just saying like, it's two weeks out from a major championship. Mm. Uh, I have a small injury in my right car. What would you do? I just wanted to, I wanted to test a little bit with him what, what he would do in those kind of situations. And I really liked his answers. Um, and then we, we also have a second coach called Francois and, uh, he's basically a scientific specialist. Um, so it's actually a really nice combination between a head coach who thinks of the schedules, but then also another coach who monitors all the data we have uh, from our watches, from our lactate values. Um, so I really, yeah, it just gave me a really good feeling. Mm. And what does that now look like for you in terms of like a typical week's training Monday to Sunday? Yeah, that's that's the fun part. With Adrian, we don't really have a typical week. So okay. he, obviously a lot of people have their typical Nowadays, Tuesday, double threshold, maybe. And like uh, Thursday session, Saturday sen session, Sunday, long run. Uh, with Adrian, he basically um, counts back before a race to know which days should be the sessions. Or for example, if we have a long travel, he counts after the travel. So he wants to do a session on day three or whatever. Um, so I think in the last year, I've had sessions on every day of the week. Because like some, some weeks is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it, it changes every week. Um, but I would say the most typical week we could have would be um, one day with like two easy runs and strides. So let's say Monday, uh, we usually have strides uh, the day before a session to get our body activated. Uh, then the day of a session, we usually start the day with like uh, 30 or 45 minutes of activation. So like exercises, stretching, and then an easy run. And then the afternoon would be the session. Um, and now, obviously, because track season is just around the corner, it's it's all a bit more specific sessions. Um, so in South Africa, we did, for example, 20 times 300 of like a minute in like 15 on a meter pace. Um, pretty tough sessions compared to what I was doing before. Um, and then uh, maybe another session on Thursday or Friday. It, it's so different every week. I would say we have two harder sessions a week. And then filled up with one long easy run and then one long run with like a tempo block in it. Mm. So kind of a longer threshold. And then maybe sometimes in there, there's somewhere like a, a fart leg or like a threshold and blocks, like 10 minutes, eight minutes, six minutes, something like that. Mm. And mate, look, you, you know, your level right now, fifth of Euro, Euros last year, 13, 11, man. How do you kind of, I mean, one, surely you're looking at that 1307, that world standards, and how do you break into the medals? If you if you thought about how you're going to go about doing that? Um, well, I think I think Munich was already a big step forward for me. Um, this, mm. this like peaking at, at the championship, I always found, found very hard. So with the training I was doing, which was, like I said, very uh, monotone a little bit, not negatively, but just, very much the same. I could have like peaks somewhere, but I didn't want the peak. So it was hard to get the peak at the right moment. And I felt like the last year we could, we got it right at the right moment. Uh, whereas actually the whole track season, I was not really satisfied with my times and everything, but I did get very fit for Munich. Um, 
And I think times are also a little bit overrated because, you, of course, you need to qualify for uh, the championships, but I, I would prefer making it to World's Final this year than breaking 13-10. So I, am, I changed my mind a little bit about that. Before, I was always chasing the times a lot. Um, but I do feel like I actually made a, a big step forward compared to last year. So mm. obviously last year was the first summer with the new coach. Uh, a lot of things had changed. Um, also, like body-wise, I've been doing a lot of like DEXA scans where you can see like the percentages of body fat around your uh, and how much muscles you have in your body. And a lot of ch- things changed in my body as well because I did more speed, um, more strength. So I don't know. I was a bit up and down last year because I just didn't really know what to expect from the training and my body was just reacting on that and i feel like now i finally found the balances in what works for me uh and and what day after training do i feel good what should we do before a race uh those kind of things so i actually feel like now i'm even better than when i ran 13 11 in boston so i'm very very excited about the track season Mm. Yeah, and what are your goals then for this track season? Obviously, you mentioned that world final, um, but yeah. around that, what what else is there for you? Um, well, obviously, the qualifier is gonna open for Olympics, so it'd be very very nice to secure that one already. That would give a lot of like take away a lot, a lot of stress for next year. I think it's first of July that opens, so I'm actually gonna start my season next Saturday, um, in eight days in Ortegum in Belgium. But I'll only do 1500s at the beginning of the season. So we've really been trying to develop my speed a little bit. Um, and I'm very curious to see what I'll do in my 1500s. So I hope to run a PB in the 15. And then uh, half of June and in July, I'll start going to the 5Ks a bit more. Not too much because yeah, World Champs is end of August. So it is very late. Um, and I'm a little bit fortunate that I'm pretty high ranked right now. Because I obviously did Boston and I have two good performances, including uh, Europeans from last year. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm kind of safe based on ranking for World Champs. So actually this year, I'm also going to tr- try and take it pretty slow uh, and just continue with training until, well, at least the next six, seven weeks will be still hard training. And after that, uh, I'll I'll go for a fast 5K, I think. So you won't be doing the... Fast 5k in uh, in Paris. Um, it's it's in the program in brackets. I'm I'm hoping to run uh, uh, Oslo. It's four days later, I think, but I'm not confirmed right. yet. So we have some races around the same day to see if I don't get confirmed. Um, but actually, I I hope a little bit more for uh, for Oslo. But mm-hmm. Paris would be nice. Of course, the group is based there, so it would be a nice race as well. The thing is, you talk about your ranking being safe and stuff. And when you look at it from a ranking perspective, Oslo is what one below worlds, um, like on the ranking system and you know, that fast 5k, is it a B grade meet? So points wise, um, it's a bit of a no brainer as well. Yeah, exactly. But I try, I feel like I'm so safe now, at least for worlds that I, I don't even have to look at the category of the race. Okay. Um, yeah. But actually, last year I wanted to run Oslo, but it was at the same day as, or one day later, or earlier than Paris Diamond League, and then I chose mm. Paris Diamond League. So I'm also just like trying to pick races that off. I've never done. Yeah, just I, I think it's good for the experience as well. Mm-hmm. And in the end, the race in Oslo will have my competitors from Worlds in the same race with me. Mm-hmm. I think so. It it would be a, a bit better race to see where I'm at at the moment. Um, so we'll see. But it's still 
like even with 13 11 it's so hard to get into the diamond league so yeah. i'm hoping that obviously i'm not running a 5k before so i cannot really show what shape i'm in right now so it's maybe a bit hard to confirm uh, to be confirmed and then uh 21st of july it's monaco diamond league Mm. Uh, I'm also waiting for confirmation there, but I think that'll take a while. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the Netherlands have agreed to uh, to obviously take you on on ranking points. Is not going to be they haven't like clamped down on their selection policy. I don't know if you followed my Instagram last year, but there was kind of a debate going on there because um, the Netherlands had some different rules um, where they would only take the top 32 and not the top 42, which is internationally the standard. Um, but last year the standard was 13-13 and I think there was 34 guys who already ran the standard so there was just there was no way to be in the top 32 uh, so in theory you could be ranked first in the world on the normal ranking um, but on the yeah it's like a different kind of ranking for the uh, for world champs where they put all the guys who have the standard in front of the guys who don't have the standard mm-hmm. and that's the list they look at so in theory if you don't run the standard but you are first on the, the real world ranking the Netherlands would not take me if I, even if I would be oh my ranked goodness. first in the world. That was not the case, but I was ranked on the normal ranking. I was ranked twenty fourth, I think, uh, and on the this other ranking, I was ranked maybe thirty nine or forty. So they wouldn't take me, and I was arguing that, like, um, I was ranked high enough on the other ranking, but it's mm. the ranking is still a little bit of a mess. It's still people don't really understand it yet, and uh, federations don't really understand it yet so it is a bit strange still um but in the end i i didn't end up going because of that um but this year we have kind of a new system so they have a national standard uh as well which is 1315 for us 1315 something uh, so if you run that standard and you're ranked high enough you're good to go and i i actually already ran uh 1311 so jesus they've complicated even more than we have <laughs> yeah I heard in in the UK they also made it very hard to qualify this year. They have another rank, another. They they, they basically just said they they won't pay attention to the ranking. You just have to hit the standard. Yeah, that's so, tough. Yeah, especially so especially when you see that the standards are getting harder because actually World Athletics wants less athletes there with the standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like we we might not send any athletes, so we, we'll see. But, um, but anyway, yeah, you, you've been talking a lot about the 5K and then obviously you're kind of focusing a bit on 1500s. I just wanted to ask, uh, will we see you in the 10K at some point, uh, maybe later on in your career? Um, I've, I've done two track 10Ks in my life. For, last year I did one, it was 37 mm-hmm. degrees. So that was a very bad experience because I was suffering after 1K already. Um, but I don't know. I feel like before I would have said... I'm moving up to 5k and 10k, but now I feel so good in like the sessions for 1500. So I feel like I'm going down again more towards 1500. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to like occasionally do a 10k, but I don't think it will ever be my main event at a championship. Mm-hmm. I, I often get asked as well uh, if I have the dream to, to do Olympics at, at the marathon or like try the marathon, but I, I really don't have that fire. I don't feel anything at all. When I see marathon on TV or when I see the training for marathon, I just... I don't know. I don't feel for it. But maybe it changes. I don't know. Mm. I just like the racing aspect. aspect. And I feel like in a 10K or the longer the distance gets, this racing aspect is, gets away further and further because the, the differences just get bigger. So I feel like 1500, I would say 1500 is the, 
the most fun event, but I'm just not good enough to make it to the <laughs> to Worlds and Olympics. So that's why I went to the 5K. But I would say 1500 is still the most fun event, or I think so at least. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like the further you go, the more you just have to dial into your own pace and just block out yeah. everyone else. And yeah, it turns into more just you against you, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, a 10k could be fun if it's like tactical all the way, but it mm. just never happens at, least not <laughs> at, the, at the major championships, or it does, but then yeah. it gets tactical at 27.00 pace. <laughs> yeah, that's just too fast, aren't it? Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, ju I just want to mention, jump back a little bit. You mentioned DEXA scans, and a few people are kind of getting their you know body fat percentage measured, and is that something you are cautiously doing over kind of you know weighing yourself like you and and is do you have a number you have to hit on that kind of body fat percentage? No, not at all. For me, it was more. Um, I I did it like once a year before. Uh, just <clears> now because uh, with with Adrian we have a little bit more. Uh, how do you say it? Like per period, we do a bit different things. So before I would do the same thing the whole year through, and now January is very uh, like dialed into speed. So we do a lot of speed and strength in January to build this speed for the summer and to. Uh, build some extra muscle and based off that i really wanted to see like how that affects my body um, because last year i remember doing interseason after january um, and i was just shockingly like five or six kilos heavier not that it was a problem i don't care mm. about the actual number i just wanted to see where those five kilos like what it was it was just extra muscle uh, which is fine uh, but i just wanted to see like the balance in my body so uh, that's basically why I do why I do it, um, and I think it's interesting to see across the years if that's if it's the same every period or after every period every year. So if if it's the same every February, then you know it's really because of that speed and uh, strength block. So that's a bit why. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, sounds like a a good way to look at it. Look, one thing we got to ask you. Obviously, you're you're sponsored by Nike, so you got probably access to some of the most popular shoes out there. Um, what's your shoe rotation? Like, what are your favorite shoes to wear, kind of throughout the week? Um, I'm a real Pegasus guy. So even before I signed with Nike, I was running in Pegasus in Pegasus already, maybe 15 years. Mm -hmm. I, I think I've have had every version since. Where what are we at actually? Like 40, 40 right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think I started at like. 26 or something or 24 maybe so i've had every, all of them and i basically do all my easy runs long runs everything on pegasus then um like longer tempo stuff or long runs faster long runs i would do in the alpha fly um i like the extra cushioning for like the longer stuff and then uh track workouts in uh in the new uh vaporfly tree i really like it it's a, it has a bit extra cushioning in the front um so that's, I would say that's my favorite shoe right now. And obviously Spikes, I, I wear the Dragonfly. I've tried out like mm -hmm. Invincible, um, Streakfly, all the other shoes, but I, I like to stick to, to my Pegasus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Keep it simple. Have you got the, uh, the new Dragonflies, the prototypes you've been wearing? No, not, no, no not yet. Not yet. But I'll, I'll, I hope to get them this summer. Maybe four world champs would be nice. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that'll help out um and look yeah just before we finish um sometimes just for people listening if they wanted to train like mike foppen like what's kind of a signature workout if you have one like what's kind of your one of your favorite workouts you suggest people trying um i really like the workout we did last week so we did uh 20 by 300 or in the workout i didn't like it but afterwards i liked it <laughs> 
it is it is a good indicator to see i think for 1505 k if you're if you're good if you're fit so it was 20 times 300 of one minute just one minute every time and then uh we averaged like 43 zero so i would say like 15 on a meter pace a little bit slower maybe in the beginning and then towards like 42s in the end um so you get this after eight for example you're pretty tired because eight times 300 and 42 43 is it's tough, but it doesn't get worse. So it's like between 8 and 18 or 8 and 20, it's the same feeling. You just die at the end of every rep and you're recovered before the start of every rep. I think that's a nice thing with 300s. Whereas mm. if you would do 400s, I think you get that extra bit of mm. fatigue in those last 100 meters. So that's why I really like the workout. And another workout, maybe more specific, 5K focus would be like 10 times 800 of like one and a half minutes. Uh, we've done that a few times as well. And then progressively faster. Uh, that's we we did that one in South Africa as well. You'd find that ten eights like a pretty good predictor of your five k shape at that point. Uh, nowadays, yeah. So when I was with my old coach, always my key session would be five by one k, just simple five k mm-hmm. of work, and and then just count like one minute off and just count count the splits. Um, and it it used to work for me. So I remember, I think before I went thirteen thirteen, I did five by one k, and exactly when I like added up those. One case, it added up to like thirteen, twelve, or something, or thirteen, fourteen. Uh-huh. Um, but now I've I've done that work in a few times where I'm at like the splits of running twelve forty-five, so or like, <laughs> or like twelve fifty. So it doesn't work for me anymore. Um, but I think it's always good to have one of these workouts that you can compare with the last year and just see where you're at. Um, and right now for me, that's the the ten by eight hundred. So I did it in January. Um, I think. 15 days before I went to 11 mm. and I did it then, and again now two weeks ago but a little bit faster well there we go so uh, we kind of <laughs> know what shape you're in <laughs> yeah no but pressure you know, Boston, you know what they say about Boston it's a short track so <laughs> hey um, just quickly have, have you learned French since since you're able to communicate better with your coach yeah I um, I had French in school so I picked it up quite quite quick uh, right. <clears throat> I I was pretty good at it maybe five years ago when I was still in school or a bit longer and then uh, well I, I didn't speak French for a while but when I'm with the group I just only talk French actually mm. like with my teammates and with the coach he he really likes it because like I started calling him and just speaking French and he was like oh I thought this was hard to have a, like an international mm-hmm. elite in a group but mm-hmm. my girlfriend doesn't really like it because she doesn't speak a, a, work, a word French and because I speak French he's she keeps on speaking French to her as well. Um, but I have to say, I was a bit surprised that, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, he started speaking English to my girlfriend uh, at camp and he was he improved a lot as well in English. So right. it's going slowly. And Jimmy as well. When I met Jimmy, he was like, he could say maybe two sentences. I remember uh, we always make fun of him because he did an interview with European Athletics, Athletics one time and he said, my eggs, my eggs were on fire. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he he wanted to say my legs are on fire so uh, we always make a bit fun of him like that but he also actually improved so hopefully soon he will start giving interviews in english as well mm, yeah we'd like that i mean what's it like to train with jimmy uh you know is he is he a bit of character yeah he's definitely Do you compete in workouts uh not that much actually it's mm. i feel like jimmy maybe started training less hard when i joined the group so like if if you would compare it, I would come from like a a very like threshold based training with my old coach. A lot of slow work, like often like ten by one k of a minute, like the typical workout. Where Jimmy would come from like the other side of always 
pushing all out in the sessions and we've kind of found the balance with that so in the beginning we would do like 10 runs together and he would run like 15 seconds per k faster just because he was so used to always push his body mm-hmm. and then looking at me i think he realized that you don't always have to do that uh, for me the other way around i learned from him that sometimes it's good to push your body in workouts as well mm-hmm. um but now the last weeks towards the track season where we're allowed to like progressively build up the workouts and actually close it quick but don't we don't really like sprint each other off like that it's more like it's funny in workouts usually i'm in the lead with 100 meters to go uh from the last rep but i always open up a gap from i will I, I don't want him to go around we just we keep it nice you know <laughs> um but he's yeah he's definitely a character i think a lot of athletes can learn a lot from him because he's he uh he can really think unlimited and I think he he opened my mind in that way. So I was a bit too realistic before. Um, I I would be so realistic to say that I could not make an Olympic final because it would just not be realistic at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas he is just like he has the that full hundred percent belief that he, he can just win a medal next year at the Olympics or in in five years, you know. So I think that's something that I learned from him to let go a bit of that always calculating thought and just uh just run and see see where it brings you you know yeah he comes across like that does does the coach kind of encourage you to think like that as well uh yeah definitely i mean my coach is very positive and like uh i think he believes the most more more in us than we do sometimes um and obviously that's a very nice thing to have because like he has a lot of experience so he also knows if an athlete can do this workout and have these kind of values, he should be able to run around these times. So I also take it from him that if he says you can run this, then I believe him in that. Awesome. Sounds like you've got yourself a great setup and Jimmy, <clears throat> you've got a good balance there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, look, Mike, it's been great to chat to you. Um, wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you.